Welcome to Mac Geek Gab episode 920 for Monday, March 21st, 2022. And welcome to the Mac Geek Gab here. We are the show where you send in your tips, your questions, your cool stuff found. We share your tips. We share your questions. We share your cool stuff found. The goal being that each and every one of us, me, John, Pilot Pete, you, we each learn at least five new things every single time we get together. Sponsors for this episode include Truebill at Truebill.com slash MGG, where you can save thousands per year. A new one, LumenSkin.com slash MGG, where you can get a free trial of their fantastic little skincare products. LinkedIn.com slash MGG, where you can go and post your first job for free. We've had great success there. I know you will, too. And Headspace.com slash MGG, an app I've been using for years, and you get a month for free at that URL. So go. we will talk more in depth about each of those things and why you're going to want to visit each of those. For now, here in Austin, Texas, I'm Dave Hamilton. And here in Fairfield, Connecticut, this is John F. Braun. Hey, bonjour tout le monde. On vive du Paris, je suis Pilot Pete, which is greetings from Paris Live. Uh, this is Pilot Pete. Thanks for having me, guys, on what I believe may be the first international recording of the Mac Geek Gab. I think you're right. I, I don't, I mean, I'm in, I'm in Texas. When we moved here, I remember seeing, we drove down, this was in 1995, Lisa and I drove down, and I remember seeing signs that said, we were about two hours out, we were just at uh, outside of Waco, and I remember seeing a billboard that said, Lone Star Beer and their slogan, which is the National Beer of Texas. There you go. And I turned to Lisa and I'm like, well, this is interesting. <laughs> so, but yeah, Pete, I think you, you are the first, I'm trying to think if we've had like even a guest on the show that's not from the U.S. And I don't think we have. I think, I think you're it. I think you're like, yeah, certainly, certainly of the core three here, um, like John and I have never recorded from another country, right, John? We've never. Uh, I believe you're correct. Yeah. Um, Their internet doesn't seem to be that great, though, Pete. Right. Well, you know, nothing like hotel internet there. Yeah, no matter where you are. You know, it's interesting. I'm here at South by Southwest, uh, which is fantastic. This was the first conference that was canceled back in 2020. So I have not been in Austin in three years. Uh, the last time was 2019, and uh, and and the hotel that I'm in is very close to the convention center. And I I can see well, I can see more than two Wi-Fi networks here, but there's two that I would choose to join. One is the hotel's Wi-Fi network, and the other is the South by Southwest network. And I tried the hotel network and got, you know, maybe five megabits down and one or two megabits per second up. And then I connected to the South by network and I got like 30 down and 30 up. I'm like, I'm going to go ahead and use that. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Now, another tip, when I travel, um, most hotels only offer Wi-Fi, but some also have Ethernet. So bring an Ethernet cable with you and a dongle. Um, You'll probably get better performance. 
That's maybe, fewer and further between. I maybe found. I was going to say I haven't I haven't brought an Ethernet cable with me to a hotel room, if, at least not for a hotel room. If I know I'm going to be somewhere where I would want Ethernet, I'll bring one. But yeah, I, I like I haven't seen one in a hotel room in I mean what, ten years, maybe. Yeah. Right. Oh, yeah. I don't. I and and the and even when I was seeing them in hotel rooms, they didn't work. Like the the yeah. e, there were Ethernet ports, but they they were not connected to the internet that I wanted to be connected to mm-hmm. <laughs> or the network I wanted to be connected to. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but you know, I mean, hotel Wi-Fi it has gotten much better than it used to be. Um, mm-hmm. You know, cause even, even three, uh, three down and or five down and three up or whatever it was that I was getting with the hotel. I mean, that would have been fine to do this show as long as it was consistent. Like that's the, that's the key is, is yeah. Yeah. And of course, you know, you could use a hotspot. I could. Phone. Yeah, that's less. That's got to have more jitter for an audio, like a VoIP conversation like this. I don't know if that would be better or worse. That's a good question. Oh, it's yeah. worth testing. It's been great being back here at at South by Southwest. It's in many ways, it's like we never left. Uh, the The conference, everything has been going very, very smoothly. I I I did a hybrid model this year. I did. Uh, the, the the festival starts on Friday and runs through the following Sunday. Uh, I, because of COVID, they figured out over the last two years how to do a lot of it. The sessions, movie stream, movie premieres and things like that. They figured out how to do remotely. And so this year it's a hybrid model. You can, you can do most of it remotely, but not all. And then everything is happening in person. And, uh, and I, I watched a couple of, of movies and sessions this past weekend. I saw, I saw Lizzo get interviewed. I saw it. Uh, I entered on his name in front of me, but I'll pull it up. The former CEO of Nintendo, uh, uh, Reggie Phils, I may, and I, I may be mispronouncing his name. So my apologies, Reggie, but he, that was fascinating seeing just his, his perspective on, on kind of the, the tech industry and the gaming industry and all that good stuff. Um, and, uh, and I watched some films, John, I, I saw a movie that I highly recommend for you because uh, I know you're a fan called Cheryl about Cheryl Crow, not really tech related here, but I know you're a fan of Cheryl Crow. Me. So yeah, really well done movie. Um, I'm trying to think if I've seen any, any tech films that would, that would relate. I, I saw one called 32 sounds, which, um, certainly is about audio tech, but it's, they, it, it it was it was an interesting experience what this movie nor and, and there's a definitely an apple relation here what this movie came from is a performance piece where these these two guys and and their team uh have pulled together 32 different sounds and uh the first is a human heartbeat right and and they go through all different kinds of things outdoor sounds fabricated sounds like there's a there's several sounds that are are part of the uh a foley artists sort of bag of tricks but the the way this per- performance piece works is the audience the entirety of the audience wears headphones and then th- and so that way you can hear things isolated and in stereo and there's some binaural sections which is effectively what apple's doing with spatial audio right to to make all that happen with just two earpieces and it, 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 you know, very cool thing. And I would love to see it performed 
in person, but they've made a film of this performance, uh, or at least based on the set list of this performance, if you will. And they've sort of, you know, put it into one form. And that's what I saw. But the, and so I turned it on in my living room on Saturday night. But the first thing that they tell you is, or ask you is, are you watching this with headphones? And they say it's, you'll be okay without them, but it, you'll get a much better experience with them. And I was sitting in my living room alone. Nobody else was home. Uh, just me and the cats. And, uh, and I thought, well, wait a minute, I can pair my AirPods pro to the TV. In fact, it just sort of happens like it does with everything else. Apple, I put my AirPods pro in and it, a thing came up on the screen and it said, you know, click the, the little button on the remote. If you, the, that, that looks like this shape, if you want to pair your AirPods pro with the TV and, and I did that and then boom. I was watching on headphones and suddenly like even the intro scene of just the, the sort of the two people that, that, uh, that created this were talking, but it, you know, it was very much like they would whisper once and they would talk in the other ear and just to get you acclimated into this world. And there were even moments. So there I was in my, in my living room <laughs> alone, no one in the house and it's silent with the TV on. And I have my AirPods in cause there's <laughs> nothing coming out of the thing, out of the speakers. But, um, it was a really cool experience. I, I, it worked right. Like the, the whole thing worked. And, and if I did not, if it weren't for Apple having made all of that super easy, I, there's no way I would have done it. Like, you know, trying to, I mean, I can figure it out. I'm sure I have all the gear, but it was like, no, I'm not going to do this, but it really is the right way to watch this movie called 32 sounds, which hopefully will come out. Uh, and, and everybody gets to, to experience it. There's even moments where they tell you to close your eyes. And and just experience sound that way, and they leave the the screen just you know effectively blank. Uh, they there there are a couple of those moments, and without ruining anything for anyone, I will say that leave your eyes closed, trust them when they tell you they'll tell you to open your eyes, and it's okay. You haven't missed anything. Uh, but there are things that they will occasionally do with the screen that are meant for you to experience with your eyes closed, and I will leave it at that. So. Yeah. Yeah, it's cool. So, Dave, how did you get to see it before everybody else? Then is it as part of your beta? Um, it it's part of the way South by Southwest is working okay. this year. Uh, they 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 built an app, and uh, I log into the app. I have to RSVP for the movie because some movies have limited quantities of people that they can be shown or streamed to during the festival, even uh, which would normally be limited by the attendance in the theater, right? Like the size of the theater sort of dictates that. Yep. But, um, but with some of these online, they, you know, you have to RSVP. And if you don't get a, an RSVP, then you don't, you know, if you don't get in in time, then you don't get it. So I was authenticated into my account using the South by Southwest app to watch it. And they have iOS apps, uh, obviously that you can do it with a web interface and they have a TVOS app as well. So nice. Yeah. No, it, it, it's, it, it was a cool experience. And I, you know, I can see where I might choose to do with certain movies. I mean, I've got a beautiful surround sound system, but thinking about perhaps even just, you know, watching a movie in a hotel room, and this is certainly true watching on a plane, but, um, but, you know, sitting back on the couch, comfortable, big, you know, big screen and still having that surround experience delivered to you just via your AirPods. It's, it's kind of an interesting paradigm and I, yeah. certainly way cheaper than, than building out a surround system, even, even with today's sort of, you know, easy path there. So 
Yeah. Which leads to the quick question then, how many pairs of AirPods can an Apple TV hold? I believe it is only one pair at the moment. I I tried this. That would be ideal to have four or five, you know, it, so the exactly. whole family can enjoy. Yeah, it where it starts to get difficult, Pete, is the um syncing of things because Bluetooth yeah. introduces a ton of latency. Now, yeah. the TV, the, the Apple TV device knows this and it compensates and delays the audio delays the video to to appear on the screen when it's you know right so that it's in sync right but sync is a difficult thing to do in fact you know the first non-silent movies were not talkies right because they couldn't figure out how to get audio in sync with video and then they did and you know that's that's a different movie called the art of cinematic sound which i watched on the plane down here not part of south by southwest but another great movie on this geeky on this geeky path so yeah it's funny how things that just we take for granted well that's just you can just do that you can just do that yeah exactly right right yeah these things a lot of years of work to figure that out to figure and to iterate on it and make it better and better and better yeah 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 cool yeah, no, it's 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 interesting. So, um, so yeah, I, I hopefully Apple and if you if anybody out there knows that that you can do more than one pair of of AirPods, let us know feedback at macgeekab.com. We'd love to know. I tried it testing it with Lisa and her AirPods, and it would only go to one or or the other of us. That was pre, you know, that was a couple of months ago. So maybe it's changed, or maybe I just did it wrong. You know, either mm-hmm. one of those things. So. Dave, yeah, did you say feedback at MacGeekab.com? I did. I said feedback at I, Sorry, That's what I heard was feedback at MacGeekab.com. I wasn't sure if your, uh, if your connection over there in France, mm-hmm. is it the same? Does it, is there some sort of translation <laughs> engine that's happening? They've got a different word for everything over here, so that could be, you know. Like they, you know, Shepo, it's, you know, it's true. Routine on that. They, it's true. <laughs> <laughs> they do. They have a different, it's like a whole other language. Yeah. <sighs> All right. Um, we have some quick tips to get to. We have uh, your questions. We have Mac OS 12.3 to talk about. Yeah. The uh, The next thing that I would love to do is talk about our first couple of sponsors, if that, uh, if that works for you, Mr. Braun. Okay. All right. Hey, during the uh, great reshuffle here, a record number of employees are considering switching jobs. So now is your chance to try and attract them. And our sponsor, LinkedIn Jobs, is here to help you connect with the people you want to interview faster and for free. We are coming up on a year of having Sadie here. We would never have found her or the dozens of other very highly qualified people without using LinkedIn Jobs. We we did exactly this. We created a free post uh, in minutes on LinkedIn Jobs. And not only does that reach your network and beyond, it reaches the world's largest professional network of over 770 million people. And then you add your job and the purple hiring frame to your LinkedIn profile to spread the word that you're hiring so your network can help you find the right people to hire. Simple tools like these screening questions that they let you use make it super easy to focus on candidates with just the right skills and experience so you can quickly prioritize who do you'd like to interview 
and then hire. And this is why small businesses rate LinkedIn jobs number one, we certainly do, in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. LinkedIn jobs helps you find the candidates you want to talk to faster. Did you know every week nearly 40 million job seekers visit LinkedIn? Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash MGG. That's linkedin.com slash MGG to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply and our thanks to LinkedIn jobs for sponsoring this episode. All right, guys. Hey, look, we're not getting any younger and neither is our skin. So let's talk about skincare. If your skincare routine is basically just washing your face in the shower with that one shower gel that you've been using since high school, then it's time and you can level up your skincare game. Because as it turns out, that regular body wash you've been using that you thought was good enough is probably damaging our skin. And I say our skin because I'm going to be honest, this is me too here. But thanks to our sponsor, Lumen, we can drop that bottle of three-in-one and start using products that actually take care of our skin. With Lumen, we get the highest quality products. All their products aim to help those with stubborn acne scars, under eye dark circles, wrinkles, sun damage, dry skin, oily skin, and more. And here's the thing. Starting with Lumen is super easy. You take their two-minute quiz on their website, and they'll tell you exactly which routine is best for you based on your skincare needs. All of Lumen's products come with instructions, so it's super easy and will help protect your skin from potential damage or even future acne. And all their products are made using only natural ingredients that actually work. Things like licorice root extract, rose flower oil, charcoal powder, ginger, green tea. I, I've been checking this out. I'm, I'm traveling. They sent me some stuff, but I obviously haven't seen it yet. I'm super excited to, though, and I'm kind of bummed that I haven't been able to, to start using this stuff. They've got this classic maintenance bundle that has a charcoal cleanser, which is this daily detox for your face, and then a moisturizer to keep you looking ultra fresh, which we all like to do, especially now that we're on cameras all the time, right? An exfoliating rub, which is kind of like a gentle power wash for our faces. Listen, level up your skincare game with Lumen Skin today. Go to LumenSkin.com slash MGG to get your free trial of Lumen's products. That's L-U-M-I-N Skin.com slash MGG to get your free trial of Lumen's products. LumenSkin.com slash MGG. And our thanks to Lumen Skin for sponsoring this episode. All right, let's, um, let's talk Mac OS 12.3. That just came out the other day. I I made the decision to update my devices. Of course, the the related iOSs, which I think is fifteen point four and iPad OS fifteen point four, also came out. Um, and I decided to update my um, all of my devices the day before I traveled. I I have not experienced any huge issues, which is great. Um, we'll talk about some issues that that many have and will experience though uh as we as we get into this little segment here one thing that i did notice actually i can't take credit for this my son noticed in the change log is that 12.3 adds a notes field to saved passwords which it it, it sounds like something that it's not that big of a deal i think this might be the thing that either keeps people in iCloud keychain or moves people in from a, you know, a one password or a last pass into iCloud keychain, being able to just contextualize something about a website that you log into and having it stored in the same place. 
it is makes a I do it all the time in one password. For example, now I know that uh, from the classic security folks, you might say you don't want to do this, but I might store the answers to my, uh, you know, the the security question. What's the first car you drive? Who's your favorite teacher? Those sorts of things. I might choose to store those in one of those notes field because in in three years, am I going to remember the same favorite teacher? Am I going to like, I don't know. I, I, I know, you know, some of those things are super random. Like some of them. Okay. Well, they don't want to ask you, you know, your mother's maiden name anymore. The, the things that are not really changing, but there are things that in my life that change, like, you know, they'll say, what was your nickname as a kid? Well, I had a bunch of nicknames as a kid. They weren't all kind, but I had a, a lot of them, you know, like, so I don't like, so anyway, like having that notes field for what I'll call miscellaneous data related to a website, I think that's a really good thing. Uh, uh, you know, do you guys, I know you guys use LastPass and 1Password. John, do you put notes in a, in your LastPass, some of your LastPass entries? Um, no. Okay. How about you, Pete? I, I'm well. I do, and I'm a I'm a one password user at this point. Although I I, I would say I'm a hybrid because often I will let iCloud Keychain put things in for me. But yeah. one of the things I do when you talk about uh, some of those security questions, uh, years ago I went to complete non sequiturs. You know, what's your mother's maiden name? Sharpie pen. Right. No one in the world. You know. You know. And that that may actually be my mother's maiden name on some of my logins. That sort of thing. But it's right. And now there. everybody knows. So that's that's, that's right. important. Now you yeah. go get it. But it has, it's totally, it's not a last name. It's not anything, but I've, I've found that using that, I, I feel more secure anyway, having a complete non sequitur uh, to do with an answer to one of those questions. Um, and sometimes when I'm asked on the phone with my credit union, yeah. they're like, what? what? Okay. <laughs> that works. <laughs> yeah. Hey, look, that worked. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I, yeah. That's, I, I, I never had thought about intentionally using in you know what I'll call incorrect yeah. answers, right. uh, but but as you were saying this in our chat room at live.macgeekab.com, Doctor oh sorry not Doctor Dream Paul Franz Doctor Dream's been helping out too thank you Doctor Dream but Paul Franz said essentially the same thing when you don't want to give the right answers for these things right. yeah the only so, problem is you could be hosed if you. <laughs> If you somehow lose it, you got no answers. <laughs> right. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and explaining to them that you intentionally use stuff to to thwart the system. It's like, you know, I, I think you were one of the I think you were the person who introduced me to the phrase outsmarting myself. So, yeah. yes, <laughs> yes, yes, exactly. That's um, my retirement account. Yeah, exactly. Sorry. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, it becomes like a Bitcoin wallet. Can't get in. Yep. Hey, right. uh, I know we mentioned this a, a, a little while back when the betas came out and we saw all of this. Uh, Mac OS 12.3 removes Python. Uh, it removes Python 2.7, but don't take that the wrong way. It removes Python from being a part of the core OS. The version that was part of the core OS was 2.7. And that got very confusing because there were some things that needed 2.7. There were some things that needed Python 3 and you had to install your own Python 3 or bundle it with your app if it was something. And so Apple made what I think is actually a very smart decision to remove it. Generally, these types of major changes happen with, uh, you know, the, the annual OS update cycle in, you know, that we is announced in June. There's plenty of lead time. 
and then it comes out in whatever, September, October. Uh, that's not what happened here. And so there are some apps that will not work with 12.3. I think they're going to be far and few between, but there are some that rely on Python 2.7 being a part of the OS. And so now, you know, those apps were able to say, yes, we're compatible with Mac OS Monterey and, you know, whatever versions they want, you know, all the way up through Monterey. And now they can say all the way up through Monterey 12.2.1, which gets really interesting, especially in a world where rolling back um, is not so good. So uh, I think this was a smart move. It, it it had been a long time coming. Apple had deprecated it, I think, but they had not announced its end of life until this happened um, very quickly. If you need to use Python, you can install Python 3 or Python 2.7 using Homebrew very easily. Uh, so you can get it back, but uh, which is great if you're doing development on your Mac. It, in fact, it, this, this saves a ton of headache if you're doing development on your Mac, getting rid of it, but it does not help if you are bundling an app that relies on it. So just be aware. And then um, we heard quite a bit about this in the beta cycle. Uh, Warren Sklar had a long conversation on, on a Facebook thread about it, but John, you ran into an issue with your display oh, not working. Yeah. So, um, yeah, so so I did the upgrade to um, twelve point three, and also you may want to upgrade your uh, iOS and iPadOS devices. Um, the thing that I wanted to try, so I upgraded my MacBook Pro and my iPad to those versions, and Universal Control is creepy, man. <laughs> In a good way I or a bad way? I don't know. I don't know how it knows, but it knew that my iPad was to the left of my Mac. So they must be doing some sort of triangulation or some something with, with the RF, but it's it's very interesting that they're able to figure that out. Um, so that went fine. I, I like, and then, and let's talk about universal control for a second, because the, it, it is an interesting thing. I, you know, obviously I'm traveling here. I mentioned last week that I'm, I brought that Lenovo uh, 14 inch external display with me, which I'm using right now. Mm -hmm. Thankfully, uh, what we're about to talk about with 12.3 breaking support for some displays did not break this. So I'm super stoked about that. Um, mm -hmm. But, you know, the I, you, you're right. Universal control. I did the same thing for me. Like it knew which side of the screen it was on. But mm -hmm. um, like, I'm not sure how I would use it. I, I still need to figure out like how what i would use it for instead of just going in and making my ipad a third display as part of my mac like if i'm going to use my keyboard and my mouse with my ipad what is it that my ipad has that my mac doesn't i don't know i i, I mean, yeah, it, it, I mean like, for me the only compelling thing would be to be able to use a real keyboard to input data on my iPad. Well, I I th no, know. I think that's the thing. I think I think that's yeah. the reason this exists. But my question is, what are you doing on when your Mac is right next to your iPad? Mm -hmm. What are you doing on your iPad that you wouldn't otherwise just be doing on your Mac instead? That's right. the part that I I know. There's an answer to this. Maybe somebody will mm -hmm. will send it in to feedback at macecub.com. I like I don't ask this in a in a in a you know, belittling of the feature way. I ask it truly out of curiosity. 
Because I, you know, just like with focus mode, when I first encountered it, I'm like, wow, what am I going to use this? And now it like focus mode is is one of the most important features I have. So, yeah. Um, all right. I, well, I've got so, a potential answer to that question. Okay. Which is, um, for instance, Foreflight is a, is a program that you can use on the web or on the iPad. One of the features on the iPad is it'll give you the profile of your flight. You tell it how far you're going to go, and then it'll give you the profile on the iPad, not on the web. Oh. So you have to be on your iPad. Okay. So, so iOS. Features yeah. on an iOS app that, yeah. But couldn't so you what run. What need to do is put the app on the on my M1 Mac now and use it that way. <laughs> that, that, yeah. That, as I, that was what I was going to interrupt you to say, but you said it better. Yeah, <laughs> yeah there you go. Yeah. Yeah. So, but that's the only yeah. thing I could think is that you know there's some there's some feature that's available in iOS that is not available, yeah, on the on the laptop. Yeah. What's that, John? Well, I was going to get to the bad news part. If okay. You're ready. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course. All right. So, so work great with my MacBook Pro and my iPad. So then, I'm like, well, you know, I better upgrade my Mini as well. So, you know, install the update. Um. It installed and then system rebooted and the Apple appeared on my secondary monitor. And I'm like, oh, man, sometimes that happens. Now, in the past, it would recover and that it's like, oh, wait, this isn't the primary monitor you told me about. Um, so I disconnected the. Uh, uh, so first, if I tried to find the monitor in displays, it uh, my primary didn't appear. My primary monitor is connected with a USB-C to DisplayPort um, cable. Okay. Okay. So d- DisplayPort is the yeah the the yeah the, the path. Yeah. Okay. For, but for some reason, no matter what I did, it would not see my primary screen. I disconnected the secondary screen and tried to boot, and it would try, but then it would get stuck. And I've had friends on Twitter confirm that this is the the case okay so let's talk through the symptom that you were seeing so you would would it show up in displays and no okay so it didn't even appear there it 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 was as though there was nothing connected to the other end of the display port cable that was on your mac okay all Mm -hmm. right that's interesting i i asked because i had i have no idea what i'm going to encounter at home with this um i did update i'm pretty sure I updated the Mac in the office, but not the studio. I did. And the display that I have connected there, the ViewSonic, the VP2768 UHD display, which is connected. I mean, it has to be DisplayPort because the other one is HDMI because it's an M1 Mac Mini. And those are the two paths. That works fine. So, and as does the DisplayPort display with this Lenovo here. So, I it, but I did have an issue connecting to the TV in my hotel room, which is HDMI. Uh, it connects, it, it sees it in the displays pane, but it will never display an image and the TV says, I'm not getting a signal. If I take the exact same USB cable out of the back of my Mac or the side of my Mac and plug it into my iPad mini, Boom. Image, perfect, clear as day on the TV. So there's something about the Mac, but I don't know if it's 12.3 because I've never been in this hotel room with 12.3 before. Yeah. So, uh, but I did figure it out, Dave. So first, 
I'm like, okay, let's try a different connection. So the, this monitor has both HDMI and DisplayPort. So I dug up my HDMI cable, plugged that in and plugged that into the Mac, still wouldn't see the screen. And I'm like, hmm, what other option do I have? So I'm kind of proud of myself. I figured this out. I'm like, hey, you know what? I got a mini display port to HDMI adapter. Let's try that. And guess what? That works. So what did you plug mini display port into? So mini, mini display my port. O, my, my OWC um, dock. So you're a mini still. Display port. Okay. Is that a Thunderbolt 3 dock that has mini display port on it? Is that right? I think so. Yeah. So that's really weird because that is DisplayPort. Yes. Like there's it like Mini DisplayPort is is the describes the connector, but it's mm -hmm. still using DisplayPort. Now I wonder if it's the version of DisplayPort that's being used because I, I saw some some reports. In fact, you I think you queued up a a tweet from Louis that yes said that DisplayPort 1.4 fails. Uh, mm -hmm. with Macs, some Macs and some monitors and 12.3, whereas DisplayPort 1.2 works. And if you can convince your TV to try and negotiate a 1.2 connection, the Mac would be fine. And one way to force a TV to do that is by using a cable that doesn't support DisplayPort above 1.2. Mm -hmm. So I wonder if your cable, can you see the DisplayPort version that you are using in like system information. Uh, it's a leading question, obviously where graphics displays. I don't Let's, know if it lists. Does that. it show the version in hardware graphics displays? No, it does not. Okay. No, all, all it shows me in graphics and displays is Intel UHD graphics six. 30 which is the chip in your mac yeah and it only shows vs248 which is my external screen wait would this be in thunderbolt oh that's interesting there it is okay thunderbolt 3 dock oh, no i'm not so this not, your display not is not showing it. up not in if you go to system, system info, you don't graphics see slash displays. No, I do not see. It's I, only showing my uh, my secondary screen. So yeah, under type D yeah, interesting. Yeah, connection type DVI or HDMI. But no, it it in that part it's not showing it. Now, if I go to displays in system preferences, sure, it'll show me both of them. Huh? Yeah, that's weird. I wonder if it's like I, I don't, I don't think you have the brand new OWC dock that has Display Link in it, so I don't think it's using right. Display Link, right? You, you know, like a like it's that's really weird. But in displays, it's showing it. It's showing it, yeah. So it shows both of my screens. So it shows the VS two forty eight, which is my Asus secondary screen, and then it shows. Uh, three seven nine two three, which is the the monoprice screen here. Yeah. Huh. But it's also only showing it at thirty hertz. That's kind of weird. I, I was gonna say, is there are there weird things about it? Yeah. Yeah. So interesting. So okay. So 
And what we had queued up was a, the title of this of this chapter, if you, and, and we do have chapters, right, in the show. For those of you that don't know, uh, every podcast client we can find, including Apple's, allow you to sift through the chapters. So if we're talking about something that doesn't apply to you, you can just skip on. Or you can come back to it if it does apply to you and you want to hear it again. Uh, but the I think the title of, of the chapter was going to be, you know, macOS 12.3 breaks display port, but you just proved that it doesn't. And it's it's not universal. I think it. I think the right way to say it is it breaks the the connection with some displays, and mm-hmm. we're still trying to suss out what that is. Hopefully, Apple can suss this out. Um, it feels like you know, <laughs> hate to go, but sometimes with troubleshooting, your gut's your gut. It feels like what I'm seeing here with the HDMI TV in in my hotel room is a 12.3 thing, but I, I have no control group to test that with other than just plugging it into my iPad and everything's fine, you know, and it is a 4k display in the room. So it, it should just work. Um, and the, the Mac sees it. It just can't send a signal to it that the TV is happy with. So who knows? I don't know. It's interesting. Fascinating stuff. Fascinating. Fascinating. All right. Well, if you know anything, let us know. We would love to, uh, we love to learn. It's what we do. We learn. We have a speaking of learning. We have some quick tips to get to. So uh, we will do that. The next thing uh, that we will do is talk about our next couple of sponsors. John, if uh, if that works for you, if we're done here. Works for me. All right. Hey, look, has your mind been sprinting for years on end, leaving trails of stress, anxiety and fatigue that are eroding your mental health? If you're nodding along, yes, with me here, then it's time to adopt a small daily practice that will have a huge impact on your long-term happiness and well-being. And it's easy to learn with our sponsor, Headspace. Headspace, I've been using Headspace for years, long before they became a sponsor. They do a great job because it's this simple app that lets me do daily meditations. And what's cool is I can pick and choose how long I want to spend, right? I can, I can do a five minute meditation. I can do a three minute meditation. I can do a 20 minute meditation. It it's amazing how well this all works. We all say fine when we don't mean it. Fine. Isn't really an emotion, right? And headspace really kind of helps deal with the things that are underneath when our defense mechanism is to say, fine, Headspace is scientifically proven to help you manage your feelings and your mental health. In fact, a recent study proved in just two weeks, Headspace is able to reduce your stress by 14%. So whether you want to do that or sleep better or improve your focus, Headspace is what you want to use. However you're feeling, try Headspace at headspace.com MGG and get one month free of their entire mindfulness library. This is the best Headspace offer available. So go to headspace.com slash MGG today, headspace.com slash MGG, and our thanks to Headspace for sponsoring this episode. Listen, if you're suffering from way too many subscriptions syndrome, there is a way out, and you don't even have to talk with anyone. You can let our sponsor Truebill do the work and set you free. Average users save $720 a year using Truebill. And Truebill is this new app that helps us identify and stop paying for subscriptions that we don't need, we don't want, or we simply forgot about. And because companies make subscriptions hard to cancel, 
Truebill makes it incredibly simple. This is why they do what they do. You just link your accounts and Truebill will go in and cancel your unwanted subscriptions in one tap. And then your Truebill concierge is there when you need them to cancel unwanted subscriptions so you don't have to. I've been using Truebill since they came on board as a sponsor. And all of this, it, it works exactly like this. It just they make it super simple. You've got to check this out. Don't fall for subscription scams. Start canceling today at Truebill.com slash MGG. Go right now. Truebill.com slash MGG. It could save you thousands a year. Truebill.com slash MGG. And our thanks to Truebill for sponsoring this episode. All right. Uh, let's see. Let's go to Peter with uh, with some quick tips. He will start us off. He says, um, I just noticed a new quick tip. If you press the shift key while on the Apple menu and you can toggle it with shift, force quit becomes force quit the currently focused app. After noticing after noticing this, he says, I've already used it. And as, as soon as we got the question in and I, you know, had prepped it for the show, I've started using it too. It like it's a great way of uh of uh it, you know of just managing that process. I don't know. I I it's it's the little things, right? It's how it goes. It's certainly easier than the command control. Is it command? No, I don't even know. No command option. Command escape. option escape. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, you could yeah. you could add shift to that, and it would force quit the current huh. in front app. So yeah, it's it's command option escape. Yes. Yeah. I'm That's not going to try it right now. No, same. <laughs> no, it's fine. It, it, it gives oh you a little menu. Okay. It gives you a menu of all running apps, and then you can select them. Well, no, 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 no. But that's what we're saying is if you add shift to that, you'll see in the menu, John, the dot, dot, dot after force quit goes away. Uh, so I think yeah. if I added shift to command option escape, then we would no longer be talking because the frontmost yeah. app is the one handling this connection, which right. is, I, I like this. Yeah. So That's cool. I like that. It is good. Yeah. Yeah. Now, here's a couple more for you. Okay. Um, or one more. Sure. Um, if if you shift click on an app in the dock, that will also bring up a force quit option. Really? Really? Seriously. Let me look at mm -hmm. this. Let's look at Twitter. Um, hmm. Okay. If I shift click, no. Option. Nope. I'm sorry. Option click. Sorry. Okay. On the dock icon. Uh, no, that hides it for me. If I right click on it, I get. Oh no no no. Maybe it's is it command? No no. It's shift. Uh, let's see. I think that's only no, if, the if app I is if stuck. I right click and then hold down option. Okay, so you right click on the dock <gasps> icon. Okay. Then hit option and you'll get force quit instead of quit. So. What? Oh, man. I never thought that this, this, this menu would be contextually modified by modifier keys. Fascinating. So right, yeah. right click on it, then option, and you get the option. Amazing. Yeah. Wow. Nice. And, uh, and the final one is uh, activity monitor offers a way to uh, quit processes oh that's true yeah yeah fair yeah if you yeah. highlight the process and then i think there's a, a little x and you click on that it'll say oh you want to quit or force quit this yeah like, yeah so cool. i think that's all the ways you can quit things 
Tori just closed the lid. That doesn't quit anything, Pete. It doesn't quit it. Well, it, it does. When you walk out of the room, it's done. Um, sure. <laughs> no, I know what you mean. Yeah, no, it doesn't end the process. That's true. Right, right. It doesn't, yeah, it doesn't terminate the process. Yeah, it doesn't close out the app. Interesting. I love this. This is why we do what we do. Uh, all right. Lee brings us to the next one. Well, I had it up and then I started clicking on things. Lee says um, he likes to have iCloud Drive on his desktop. And he said, um, you can put it there. He says, you go to the user library. So alt go menu, and then go to, you know, uh, slash not not slash library but but home slash library and then find the mobile documents folder right click on that to make an alias and now you're home free drag that alias wherever you want lee wants it on his desktop and so now in addition to having you know his internal drive and his external drives and even his network drives now he has his icloud drive right there on his desktop which i like that's good that's good <sighs> fun stuff right yeah moving along okay i think yeah i'm trying to hmm. yeah okay here's another way you can do this um so if you go to finder preferences sidebar there's an icloud drive option correct you can put it in the sidebar but not on the desktop right 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 Right. I don't think mm -hmm. I, I think if you go to um, f finder view, show view options, you get. Uh, no, that's not the thing, man. They always get me with this. Um, it's finder preferences. Mm -hmm. And then is it general it says show these items on the desktop and you get mm. hard disk, external disk, C, you know, devices, CDs, DVDs, iPods. And connected servers, but there's no iCloud drive there in Finder Preferences General. And why these things are in a million different places, I will never know. But, you know, it's fine. Tony has a couple quick tips for us here. One is uh, with notes. He points out correctly, in fact, that if you have a, a checkable list in notes, which perhaps is another quick tip for you. You can create checkable lists and notes. It's amazing. It's great for shopping lists uh, or anything else, to-do lists, tasks, whatever. You, um, When you choose, you, you hit the little A icon in, in notes and, and make it, you can choose a little checkbox as opposed to like the bulleted list or whatever. Once you have that though, you can choose to let it auto sort that list by whether or not things are, uh, checked in the list so you can have it move check things to the bottom and the way you do that is you go to settings notes and then sort checked items is right there and you choose manually or automatically and when you check something it moves it down to the bottom of the list i thought it was this way by default tony didn't seem to think it was i can't tell you it, it is this way on my devices but I and I didn't even know you could turn that part off, which I could see being super handy because sometimes it is a pain in the neck. You check something. And it's like, wait, I didn't mean to check that. Where did it go? And you've got to hunt around like you and maybe you don't know what you accidentally tapped. Right. So if that's the case, turn it off. So it's a quick tip either way. I like it. The um, the next one from Tony is, uh, well, it's it's he was testing to make sure our new site 
was searchable via Google because many of you have wanted the ability to search just Mac geek gabs for say, you know, Wi-Fi or anything else. Right. And so he, the way he, you can do it on the Mac geek site, because WordPress has its own search, but he went and did it with Google. And so maybe there's two quick tips here. Google has site specific search and the way you do it and other, this works with other search engines too. And we'll put an example in the show notes, but it's you use site colon. And then for us, it would be MacGeekGab.com space and whatever you want to search for. And that will narrow the search down to the site that you've put there. And that way, you know, you're, you're not searching the web for Wi-Fi. You're searching MacGeekGab.com for Wi-Fi. Um, so handy little quick tips. I like it. It's fun. It's good. Yeah. Anything on any of that guys? Sorry, I had muted myself. There was a siren. Um, (laughs) No, that's awesome. That's a, that's great. You can push it into, that's granular. It's super granular. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And if you're related, there are lots of things and maybe we'll find the, you know, Google has a a knowledge base article that, that teaches you all of their things. You can exclude things from search by putting a minus sign and then wrapping it in quotes. You can put entire phrases into search by wrapping them in quotes. You can put a plus sign ahead of things that says it must, this term must be there. Uh, You can get really granular and we'll put that in there. And you can do similarly granular things with uh, Gmail in the web interface for searching and sorting your mail, including putting date ranges in whether or not it is or isn't in a specific mailbox or folder, I guess Gmail calls them labels, but whatever, you know, it's fine. Thanks, Gmail. But uh, yeah, yeah, no, they, they, the Google tends to, to understand how people might want to search for things. It turns out. I don't know it's what they do. That's what they do. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. So thanks for figuring that out, Tony. I did not realize that, that Google had picked up everything on, on the new site. I mean, I, I did all the things you're supposed to do. We put the site map together and we published that with Google and put it into webmaster tools. But I figured we have yet to redirect all, we will be redirecting all of the articles from MacObserver.com over, uh, you know, all 918 of them or whatever, uh, we're building that list right now. And also I didn't want to start messing with that when we were, when I was traveling. But uh, I wondered if Google would see effectively the same content in two places and say, all right, I'm not going to index this new one until it had some juice from, you know, from TMO. But uh, I guess I guess it didn't need the juice. So it's good. Yeah. That's awesome. I just tried that, too. And it uh, I put in site colon com and then uh, space Wi-Fi. Yeah. And it just beautiful. These yeah. are all the episodes in which you talk about Wi-Fi. Right. Which is now going to include this one, even though we're... That's not, true. That's <laughs> we're true. We're talking about Wi-Fi. That's right. Well, you know, you can't get it perfect. That's right. Uh, we were talking in last week's episode about, uh, uh, I think it was listener Sandra, who was having issues scanning and or using the online payment from scanning the QR code on her receipt, but her friends could do it. And then she was able to do it at home. And listener John said he thought he might have uh, another place to check because we're talking about, you know, maybe she was using the restaurant's Wi-Fi and maybe her friends weren't and the restaurant's Wi-Fi was blocking her or or simply, you know, overloaded. And John said, well, uh, 
it it was it might be the uh the captive portal page uh, as you will and if they were on cellular or had done the captive portal page then everything was fine but if sandra had not uh you can check that in safari and i it's a it's a site i use constantly when i travel and it's never ssl.com n e v e r s s l.com that site will never be SSL. So it will never be cached in your browser as an HTTPS site. It will always be HTTP. And those captive portals have to work over HTTP because they grab, they, they essentially do DNS spoofing and certificates get super freaked out or browsers get super freaked out when they have a certificate for a site that doesn't match where they're visiting. And, and so you won't ever see the captive portal and that's why loading up never SSL is great because you will guaranteed to do it over regular HTTP. It will happily do the redirect to the captive portal. You get what you need. You, you know, you say, yes, I'm, I'm, I agree to your terms of service or, you know, whatever. Thank you for letting me visit your coffee shop. Go and boom, you're done. So, so that'll force the login page. It'll force it. Yeah, exactly. Well, either you'll get the never SSL page, which will tell you right. you're online. You won't get anything, which will tell you, the Wi-Fi is, you know, bogus, or you'll get their captive portal page because it'll okay. allow that redirect to happen without your browser stopping it at all costs, essentially. So yeah, it's nice. okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's a it's a great thing to have in the toolbox. And this is I mean, I say this all the time. This is what I love about quick tips, the things that you know you rarely think to tell people about. And I know we've talked about never SSL yeah. on the show before, but yeah. I've always used captive.apple.com. Uh, it it does exactly the same thing. Yep. Okay. And that is what Apple uses when it tries to, when it connects to Wi-Fi, it does a quick ping of captive.apple.com. And that's what allows it to bring up the captive portal pages, you know, kind of right in the Wi-Fi dialogues, if you will. John, did you have something on that? Sorry. I I thought maybe I stepped over you. Okay. All righty. Speaking of things that are silent, um, your iPhone, I have two quick tips. One, one is the unintentional quick tip of the other. Um, your iPhone default, when you set a new alarm, including via Siri, your iPhone defaults to whatever options, aka the alarm sound uh, that you and, and snoozable status, I think, that you used with the last alarm you manually configured. And the way that I learned this was on Wednesday morning, Tuesday morning, sorry. I don't know what day it is anymore. Anyway, I needed to get up. Um, I had a flight. I, I was leaving the house at 9.30. I figured, you know what? I'm going to get up at 7. I was already packed and everything, but it would give me time to just like chill and get things together. And then I could get on my way to the airport and all that good stuff. At 7.35, I woke up and I looked at my phone and the alarm was going silently because you can set a silent iPhone alarm. You can make it so that sound is none. And that's super handy. If you want to have an alarm that alerts you buzzes even, but doesn't make any sound because you might be, you might know that you're going to be in an environment like doing this show where I don't want the alarm to go off, but I want to know that, Oh crap, we're running way late, which we're not. Everything's fine, but I want to know. And so Evidently, every alarm that I was setting with Siri would just inherit those settings. And uh, 
So I had to go and manually create an alarm and then tested it and create, then created one automatically with Siri and it was fine. But um, yeah, thankfully it, it was not, it was not like a super early morning pickup, you know, it was a nine thirty pickup. So I, I mean, the, the chances of me sleeping past nine thirty in a night, I mean, it happens sometimes if I'm up late for a gig, but not thank goodness it didn't happen. Let's just put it that way. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I'm sure that the, the driver who came to the house to, to take me to the airport would have, uh, would have beeped his horn or called me or something. And he would have, he would have gotten me. We would have gotten there fine. So anyway, beware the silent iPhone alarm. Any, any, anything I, on that? Yeah, ahead, I've, had, I've had that happen to me and I never realized why. I just assumed that I had it. You know, I, I had flicked it down to uh, yeah. silent and left it there. Well, that, but, um, that was my, actually, that was my assumption on, on Tuesday was that, okay, I, I must have done a silent seven o'clock alarm in the past and it just yeah. turned that one on. And then I created a brand new one here in the hotel to remind me to leave for something. I got here and I was like unpacking and I know myself, like I'll, yeah. I'll get too deep into a project. And so I did it and the same thing happened. I'm like, okay, wait, I definitely didn't have an alarm set for, you know, three ten or something like that, whatever time it was. Right. So, yeah. And then Barry Keane in the chat room points out that he does it on his watch, which I often do as well. And that way it'll vibrate only my wrist and it won't wake up my wife or super smart the kids or the dog. Yeah. 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 There's a reason for it, but I, I would like to be able to set the default to not and no. be, and, and just know definitively. And maybe there is a way, honestly, I, you know what? I, I didn't, I didn't dig any deeper. Maybe there, maybe there's a setting that uh, that we don't know about that we're about to learn about, but I don't think there are. Um, It would be in settings clock. I don't see settings for the clock. Maybe clock. No, I see no settings for the clock. That's amazing. Great. All right. Well, if you know, let us know. Feedback at MackieCup.com. Tony has a final quick tip for us before we get to a couple of your questions. Uh, He was messing around with universal control, which is great. And he was having trouble getting his keyboard to work uh, from his Mac to his iPad. Things were just not happening right. And then he remembered he sometimes flips over to the Spanish keyboard on his iPad. His Mac was on English. His iPad was on Spanish. Universal Control did not like that. As soon as he changed his iPad to match what his Mac was, everything was fine. Now, he posits, and I I tend to agree that this is a bug. That's not intentional. It should go with whatever you have on your Mac, but, or maybe it shouldn't. Maybe it should inherit what you have on your iPad. But anyway, quick tip for now, 12.3, Universal Control. Fun stuff. And I found another bug, Dave, today. Uh-oh. What'd you find? With universal control. It is um, in beta to, 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 Apple's, you know, to Apple's defense. Yes. But yeah. Yeah. So I turned it on and, you know, it would, you know, talk to my second screen and talk to my Mac, which is amazing. But then when I was prepping for the show, Dave, um, here's one thing that was almost certain. Um, is due to universal control, is that the scroll bar in Evernote disappeared. <laughs> I was like, how do I scroll up and down? I mean, you can use the arrow keys, but, but the, uh, the, the scroll bar disappeared. Well, 
I have universal control enabled on my laptop and Evernote has scroll bars everywhere that I would expect it to. Are we using the same version of Evernote? Are we using the, the legacy? The legacy. Evernote? Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Huh. Um, if you go to system preferences, bear with me on this. I think it's in general. Uh, show scroll bars there. Is it set to always? Uh, no. Aha. Oh, aha. Show scroll bars. It's set to automatically based on mouse or trackpad. I lo- like setting it to always is one of the first things I do when I set up a Mac. Yeah, now, yeah, no. Good right? call. Yep. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, there you go. Did they come back when you set it to always? Um, It came back when I disabled universal uh, control. Oh, that's interesting. Huh. Yeah. But as right. you pointed out, it's still in beta. So yeah. There's a little tiny yeah, little yeah. bug there. Yeah. Well, maybe maybe setting it to always will will fix it. Right. That's true. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. All right. Uh, you want to take us to, we've got time for a couple of questions here. You want to take us to Andrew, John? Yes. All right. Hold on. I can read it if you want to, if you want to take it, I've got it in front of me. No, no, no. I, um... You want me to take us to Craig while you find Andrew? I'll take us to Craig. This is a quick one. Craig, no, no, I got it. I got Craig, him. I got Craig him. asks us, um, he says, uh, I ordered a new Mac studio and I'm pretty excited. Won't be here till June, but you know, that's how it goes. He says, I have a Drobo 5D that connects to my 2015 iMac with a Thunderbolt 2 cable. Which cable slash adapter do I need to connect it to the new Mac studio? And then of course, retain the best performance. So the good news is Thunderbolt is Thunderbolt and it's all backwards. And even in a sense, forward compatible, uh, you know, I was able to put, Thunderbolt Thunderbolt 3 dock on my uh, Thunderbolt 2 Mac just by getting the right adapter. There are lots of adapters out there. However, all the third-party ones, to my knowledge, that we've tested are only single, only unidirectional. Now, for a display or something, that can be fine. For a drive, for a dock, that's not okay. And so Apple's Thunderbolt three to two adapter, and we'll put a link in the show notes is the, you know, the only one that goes bi-directional and, and that's the way I would recommend going. It's not the least expensive one, but it is the one that's going to do the math, the, the magic for you. So that's the, that's where I would go with that. And I'll, I'll put a link to it in the show notes. So if you guys, any thoughts on that from either one of you? Nothing from me. Nothing from me. John's John's hampering to do Andrew. So let's do Andrew. Oh, we can do Andrew. Okay. Uh, So Andrew says, um, uh, I will probably be buying a 16 inch M1 MacBook Pro and would like to know the least painful way to move my data from a 2015 MacBook Pro running Mojave. Uh, I plan to clone my system to an external SSD, then I don't know what to do. I'd prefer not to nuke and pave. Too much software. Uh, And then he says, option A, uh, upgrade my current system to Big Sur and then do the transition. Um, Feel free to link to the steps, which I will. Um, Another option would be upgrade directly from Mojave to Big Sur on the new machine via a cable of some kind or maybe over a network connection. And option C, use my time machine backup in some way to do this. 
Um, well, I think he identified the best way to do it. So, uh, personally, Dave, I've had good luck using migration assistant, um, and connecting the, the two machines using the highest bandwidth connection that you have, which is probably ethernet or thunderbolt. Um, now I don't have an M one though. I don't know. Maybe you could, uh, yeah, I don't know no, if you have any comments, Dave, but, but, um, so we're going to link to an article here, but basically Apple preps you for this. It, it, the, the article is titled move your content to a new back, new Mac. And it basically says, use migration assistant. <laughs> yeah, I, I would, um, I, I would take for M one. It's basically the same. Uh, you know, migration assistant knows it, it will go over Thunderbolt. It'll, you know, what's cool is in the newer versions of, of migration assistant, you can click on the details and actually see, it'll show you all the ways the systems are connected and it, it does a speed test on them and chooses the one that's oh, the fastest. Yeah. So I always started over Wi-Fi, and then I plug in a Thunderbolt cable and, and it often chooses that. And then, you know, you're good to go. Um, and, and that works with M1. Uh, just fine. I would, I would, um, I would upgrade the current system. I think to to Big Sur first. Hmm. What's he on? We don't know what he's. Oh, he's on. He's on Mojave. I mean, can you not run uh, Monterey on that? Is is Big Sur the 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 most recent that that MacBook Pro can do? His his old 2015. Uh, if he could get that to Monterey, I would update that to Monterey instant, like first, and then migration assistant over. Because that way you know where the, if you have problems where they are, you have to run Monterey for this machine, right? So it, like, that's just how it's going to be. Uh, although, wait, no, maybe you, maybe you can run, I'm trying to think. That machine, when the M1s came out, that was pre-Monterey. So you don't have to run Monterey. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So you could. You could upgrade it to Big Sur and then just, you know, bounce over. It's going to come with Monterey on it. You're probably going to want to run Monterey. Our discussion's about 12.3 accepted here. Um, so I, I think, yeah, I think I'd do the upgrade to whatever you can. It's going to get the system in the state closest to what you're going to be transferring over to. And I like for migration assistant for me, that's, that's, I, you know, I'd like to hedge my bets. So that's what I would do. I would upgrade the system, but if you don't want to mess with that headache, I mean, here, the worst that happens is you, if you just do migration assistant from the, you know, from the old machine as it is up to your Monterey based M one and it's a disaster. Well, You've still got your old machine and you can wipe the new one and try a different path. So maybe that's, maybe that's the fastest way. I don't know. I would offer, I, I had, uh, it got so bad at one point, I wound up taking back my 2019 MacBook pro and getting a new one because it, it was locking up and freezing on me and I nuked and paved and started again and migration assistant and the same thing happened on the new one. And I went, okay, it wasn't the machine. And it turned out I was bringing in some setting from my previous machine. And when I nuked and paved and said, okay, I'm not bringing it over with migration assistant, except for the 
except for the programs, because, you know, you can import all settings or, or just the software. And so I brought in the, the programs uh, and, and that worked much better. I never had a problem with the machine after that. How, how this is interesting because you're right. You can get yeah. somewhat granular with, with yeah. migration assistant. Did you, how was the experience of getting your data over there? Like how much data did you have to manually move after post, you know, post migration assistant versus how much just synced over from the various cloud services from which it comes? Right. Uh, well, it's been almost three years ago now, so I'm I'm going to guess in the 300 gig, it was about a third of my hard drive. Okay, but I mean, I'm, I'm talking about like the the pain points in the process, and and oh. in three years makes a yeah. difference, right? But it does. I'm yeah. just I'm just my my question, which is less relevant now that I know that it was three years ago. Yeah. yeah. Is is you know, did you have to manually move any data? Or is your data all synced with whatever? You know, I, I seem to recall most of, most of the data was there. It, it, it just showed up. It, yeah, yeah. And it was the it was the user and the machine settings. There was something in the in the settings of that previous machine that when they got on that new one, it just it would yeah. cause everything to lock up for no apparent reason. It's right. Like, yeah, we've seen. Um, I, we, I mean, we've seen that before for sure. Yeah. 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 So, but most of the data came over pretty flawlessly, as I recall. But I, I actually, so I'd recommend every every other machine, you probably want to start fresh and just bring in the programs that you use. Well, that that's kind of where I was going with this was, yeah. you know, the pain is not the same as it was. It, it you know, with, with all right. of this, the, the way that our lives are synced, you know, really, truly asking yourself, okay, well, what data is here that is only on this machine and maybe on backups of this machine, hopefully. Right. But you know, what data do I have? That's not synced. And I, I mean, for me, the only place that I have significant data that's not synced would be the studio because I don't sync all like the recordings and everything. I mean, that would be right. a lot of data to put on all my machines and I don't need, right. right. You, you know, so right. right. Yeah. I don't know. What do you think, John? You're huffing and puffing over there. It tells me you got something to say. Um, you know the other thing. So I, I I'm, I'm looking in Mac Tracker at his machine, mm -hmm. and they claim that he could actually upgrade to Monterey. Then that's what I would do. I'd get it up to. Yeah, Monterey. I'm looking here. All right. So the minimum machine. Wow. So he's on the edge. So the minimum machine, uh, according to Mac Tracker. Um, MacBook Pro early 2015 or newer. Okay. So I think he just got under the wire. So maybe do that. I like it. Of course, yeah. First, make a backup in case things go wrong. Yes. Yeah. Although, you know, again, maybe I'm maybe now that we're having this conversation, I'm 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 going to change my stance here. I, there is something elegant about not messing with the current machine it's working for you you're running your life on that leave it alone migrate it up trust apple you know built migration assistant to do this right and if it doesn't work you can always go back and and then step the upgrade up but at least this way you have a known working machine that you haven't messed with i don't know i, I now that now that we're saying it i changed my mind i'd leave that machine as it is and and let migration assistant do the heavy lifting and bring it all over. It ain't broke, don't fix it. Yeah, I think so. 
you know, if any, if, if once you go Mac, you never go back. I don't know. Yeah. Does that does that make sense? Maybe I don't know. <sighs> I'm trying to think of what else we have here that we can we can fit in, and well, we've got we've got time for one, probably one little tip, really a follow up. We were talking about Eero uh, three episodes ago, and how they for a time had an issue with uh, WPA3. If you turned on WPA3 on your router, your Mac devices, your Apple devices would not roam properly for, um, for, for lack of a more detailed description. And the, and the advice was just don't turn on WPA3 on your Eero. Well, Kelly, Kelly, I say Kelly because I see Kenny and for some reason, Kelly comes off the rolls off the mouth, but Kenny wrote, uh, I suffered from this problem. And, uh, in show 917, you you suggested that uh, this may still be an issue. It is now a moot point since Eero fixed the issue a month or two back with a firmware patch. I've turned on WPA3 and never lose internet connectivity now on any of my devices. I'm waiting to hear back from Kenny as to which version of Eero OS he has. And I don't think he's in the chat room today. I don't see him there uh, because Eero doesn't Eero does. Um, phased rollouts they don't update everybody at the same time so it's entirely possible that someone might not have that update i've seen my heroes take you know a month to get the the you know the update that i know is out uh just because they they want to be able to a not overload their servers but also not overload customer support so if they roll something out that has a major issue, they only want a subset of customers and they can look and say, ah, we're only getting these calls from people with version, you know, whatever. And boom, they know they can roll it back. So anyway, uh, but yes, good to know. Thank you, Kenny. Appreciate that. Yeah. It's weird, though, because I looked at their release notes and the most recent update didn't mention WPA3. Actually, the, I think they did one. La towards the end of last year that explicitly said, oh, yeah, we got a problem with WPA3 and uh, and Apple devices. Yeah. Yeah, that didn't seem that one didn't seem to fix it for most folks. Mm -hmm. But a future update, uh, it did not fix it for Kenny. And, and he's been kind of testing this back and forth for us. So, uh, yeah, but it, it seems to whatever he's on, he's good to go with it, which is great to hear. Glad they I'm glad they sorted that out. All right. Well, I think it's time to uh, to bring the band in here. If I can, if I can find them, where are they? Hey, there they are. Look at that. Things work. Amazing. So they went to South by Southwest with you. They the band came to yeah. That's right. Go figures here at South by Southwest. This is um somebody was asking in the pre-show because I played one of the other songs. This the name of this song that you're hearing a snippet of loop, and of course the one that that uh, starts and ends the show. It's all the same song. It's from a band that I was in called Go Figure back in my college-aged days. We did fairly well on, in, in New England. And then, of course, you know, the band just fell apart because that's what... Uh, all bands are on the verge of breaking up at all times. That's, uh, that's just a known truth of the universe. But um, the name of this song is called The Answer. And I picked it because I liked the way it sounded long before I knew that we would be doing a mostly question and answer show, but you know, synchronicity. Yeah. yeah. There you go. All right. So does that even apply to one man bands? 
on the verge of breakup at all times. <laughs> oh, that's fascinating. Yeah, I think that does. Yeah. I think so. I think it's that's true for everything. Yeah. All right. Well, I'm glad we were able to make this work. This is the first time I've recorded a show remotely in many, many, many years. I'd, I'd gotten in the habit of just, you know, getting like front loading them before I left so that we didn't have to bring gear and everything. But this trip, I figured uh, it wasn't going to work. So because I was leaving, I'm essentially gone for, you know, two the better part of two weeks. So I'm glad we were able to do this. Thank you, gentlemen, for uh, for adjusting your schedules, Pete. Thank the uh, the French government for permitting you to uh, to join us today. I, I like that. That was awesome. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, cool. And now I'm off to the Middle East tonight. Wow! Amazing! Yeah. Amazing! I'm glad this is this is so great. I'm glad we thought about having you remote in. Now, I, I should have said this at the beginning of the show, and I didn't. Uh, we apologize that Pete didn't bring his microphone with him, and so he's using the mic in his Mac. Works out fairly well, but it's not nearly as good as you all know. Um, but uh, thank you for riding your mute button on that mic for us today. And p- just leave that mic in your... You know what? If I gave you a second yeah. one of those, would you just leave it in your travel bag? No, actually, I, I, could put it, I, I could put it in my travel bag because it's always home with me when I'm home. So right. I just need to put it in there. I forget why I pulled it out. But well, probably to do the show out. last week. Yeah. Yeah. So... All right. Well, if a second mic would solve that problem, that's an easy solution. You can definitely do that. No, it'll, it'll stay in there. It'll be right. in, my, in my backpack easily. Yeah. Okay. Again, thanks, folks. Thanks for hanging out with us. Thanks for uh, for checking out all our sponsors. You can see them at com slash sponsors. And you can also then, of course, just check out the, uh, the links that we mentioned for today's sponsors, linkedin.com slash mgg lumenskin.com slash mgg headspace.com slash mgg truebill.com slash mgg you can find him on twitter at john f braun you can find him on twitter at pilot beat find me on twitter at dave hamilton the show is mac geekab john i got us into this mess you want to uh you want to get us out my friend mm, i suppose Some advice for all of you. Don't get caught. Made up.